Hey everyone, this is Nicole. So, uh, we had a little bit of trouble recording our audio for this interview. Specifically, my Audacity recording was not picking me up at first. It was lagging and skipping pieces of what I was saying, and it, it was not lining up timestamp with everyone else. So because of that, I have actually gone back and re-recorded the pieces that were missing. This only really affects about the first 12 or 15 minutes, since I noticed and realized that it was not just being a little bit slow, but actively not picking me up, and we actually restarted the recording about 15 minutes in. Uh, However, before that, if there's a little bit of oddness, a little bit of weird tone from me, if I don't quite sound um, the same way I do the rest of the recording, that's why. Or if I sound a little bit out of sync with everyone else, (laughs) that's what's going on there. Uh, That being said, uh, please enjoy our interview with Aurora Lee Thornton. And I'm Robin, and today on Books That Burn, we are, we have a guest. Please introduce yourself. Uh, Hi, I'm Aurora. Uh, I'm non-binary and I use these, them, zero pronouns. Excellent. And we have you here today because you're an author who has written... All or none. Excellent. (laughs) Um, Can you... Tell us a little bit more, just a brief thing about All or None as a book and Star Stories as a series. All right. So All or None is the story of Roy and Callow. Uh, Roy is a very uniquely powerful mage. He's the only mage alive that can use all five kinds of magic. And Callow is his soulmate, who is a reluctant assassin, who is also magic proof. (laughs) Uh, So the five types of magic are uh, infernal, divine, arcane, uh, elemental, and feywild, which is kind of a mix of fairy and druid magic. So our podcast is about fictional... (laughs) Sorry, this is a motorcycle. All right. Our podcast is about fictional depictions of trauma. Can you talk a little about the way trauma works in your writing? Uh, so I, whenever I have trauma in my writing, I try not to make it uh, too much of like a, a slog through just trauma. I try to balance it with levity uh, or just kind of having the happy and the sad uh, but in All or None, it's got it's probably pretty even split between the traumatic events and healing from the traumatic events, because that's one of the themes of the book, is healing from uh, trauma. Uh, so do you, uh, generally speaking, like here, like in this book, you kind of have a pretty even split, but in general, do you put more thought into the trauma itself or the aftermath, or do you usually put as much thought into both halves when you're thinking about the effects on your characters. I usually try to put thought into as much thought into both halves as possible uh, because it's it's important to depict trauma in I think like a responsible way like in a way where you don't mm-hmm. you don't glorify it but you also don't shy away from it. Uh, but I also think it's very important to show all of the healing and how it's how healing is actually a very messy, very difficult process. It's not like you're not instantly he- healed. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Have you ever started writing a trauma in one of your books and had it take over or have more of a story impact than originally intended? Sometimes, if if I start writing trauma when I'm in a bad place mentally, it will just be completely all-consuming for whatever I'm writing. So I try, <laughs> like, I, I just put all my trauma eggs, <laughs> I guess to quote Hannah Gadsby, I put all my trauma eggs in the same basket. Uh, so I try not to write, because at first I thought it was a good way to, like, get through it, but honestly it just made me feel worse. So I try not to write trauma unless I'm in a good place. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but sometimes sometimes characters will surprise me with how they react to their trauma. Because every obviously everyone reacts to trauma differently. Uh, it looks different for everyone, even if it's the same trauma. And I I try not to do any monolithic experiences based on trauma. <laughs> I I am a gardener. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I used to be just a pure, uh, pantser, <laughs> but mm-hmm. what would happen was I'd have thought of, like, some major events that would happen, and it would take me so long to get to them that I would forget where I was going. So what I started to- <laughs> Oh, no. So what I started doing was doing just very- basic outlines of okay this is what's going to happen and it's just like the major event that happens per chapter or whatever um that didn't happen in this story but that's what i usually do (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah sometimes sometimes major things don't always change they sometimes do but uh my characters are really loud and annoying so they usually uh just do what they want so then, kind of following up on uh, the uh, last question about, like, how you're, you're saying your characters will surprise you, like, with their reactions. Like, how do you decide what the character's reaction to a traumatic is, event is going to be while you're writing them? Or do you decide? I don't decide. I start writing and I see where it goes. Okay. Uh, one of the, the little joys for me of following author Twitter has been <laughs> seeing the term pantser and then figuring out what it meant. Yeah, just hanging on by uh, the seat of your pants. That's it. <laughs> yeah. For anyone who yep. listening who doesn't know what a pantser is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you have a lot of characters yes. in your books. Um. And those characters have, like, different facets of what makes them who they are. Uh, so talking about queerness as one of those facets, like, do you tend to write characters, like, with a specific orientation? Do you stick to depictions of queerness that match bits of your identity? Like, how do you approach um, making characters queer they or not? They tell me. Eventually. Um, I didn't realize Kala was Demi until after I'd written the book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I I knew I knew Roy was <laughs> Uh I was just kind of thinking like, well, I know Roy's a pansexual disaster, but uh oh, I guess Kylo's <laughs> Demi. <laughs> um 
I knew Holt was ace just from the get go, but Holt's a very Holt is a very forward mm-hmm. character. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. yes, I only recently realized that Carilla is Demi just because I hadn't really thought of her orientation at all. Uh, because mm-hmm. she's just you know with Leon the whole time. <laughs> we meet them in their forties. Right. There's not much to explore. <laughs> I know that basically everyone in All or None is queer. Just, it, I might not know specifically how, but they all are. <laughs> okay. So, like, when, when depicting types of queerness that you don't share, like, what do you use to guide that? Um, well, there's always, you know, depictions by other authors that do share those identities. Uh, various threads uh, and blog posts about how not to write them or, you know, how to do those representations justice. Uh, basically just, uh, I shut up and listen for a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then I go right. Have you ever had a character surprise you with their identity after you started writing? Either a character you had defaulted to thinking they were cishet aloe and then decided they were not, or after publishing had someone pointed out this character seemed more like they were queer-coded, and you just hadn't specified their identity in your book? Uh, probably. <laughs> I don't I don't remember, like, a specific instance of that occurring. Uh, I'm on, uh, I guess I can plug this a little. I'm on an A-Spec writer's Discord. We're just a big group of all Ace and Arrow uh, Spectrum writers. Uh... And I share I shared snippets through the entire writing process. They were my beta readers. Uh, they're awesome, but yeah, like, and we talk all the time, so it wouldn't surprise me if that had happened. I just don't remember a specific instance off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. So I know this next thing might get a little um, trickier because it is a fantasy mm-hmm. setting, and as far as I can tell, like it's not Earth. It is not. Um, <laughs> What's your right? What's your approach to incorporating characters of color in your work? So, I I actually did I self published an earlier work. Uh, the series is called okay. Wildflowers, and I made. I was trying to be inclusive, but I ended up making a lot mm-hmm. of mistakes with including cult uh, like analogs to real world cultures. Uh, and mm-hmm. I've learned a lot better since then. Uh, so, basically, because it's not my experience, I'm white, uh, I mm-hmm. include characters of color, but I don't, I've kind of just completely dropped racism off of my fantasy, because it's not the real world, I don't need to include that, and it's not my experience, it's not my lived-in experience to write about anyways. Okay. I I do, um, but I do. I describe each human as white or not white, uh, as the instance. I usually just say it when they. F- I only really describe them when they first appear, and I kind of don't describe, mm-hmm. don't continuously describe them afterwards. Uh, and I assume I assume you don't mean you call them white or not <laughs> white. You mean that you mention. You mean that you mention. No, what no. I'll their say like uh, is. <laughs> Like, like, uh, Folly, one of Roy's mentors, uh, he's a black man. 
uh, one of Roy's cousins, Athen, he has brown skin. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not really mentioned in this book. Uh, he's actually uh, Clorish, which is their antagonistic mm-hmm. neighboring. Co- yeah, the Clorish usually have uh, brown skin and blonde hair. Uh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But because, yeah, because of soulmates, there's just a lot of people moving around everywhere, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, there's so much kind of cross-culture matching with soulmates that I more wonder how you even had vaguely defined ethnicities and peoples to begin (laughs) with because there's just so much like just rigorous intermingling it feels like (laughs) like if if the if the previous generations (laughs) yeah if the previous generations are anything like the snapshot we get in this book how do you even have typical appearance for a culture like like the the like the the social trappings of culture i completely understand like yes that would happen even if people are like moving around but well, like, i actually i actually have just an entire like i know exactly how soulmates work in my world <laughs> i don't okay. i don't know if it would re- it gets explained in a later book uh but i don't know if that mm-hmm. would be I don't really know if that would be spoilers. <laughs> well, saying it right now okay, would be spoilers. Well- yes. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yeah, so if you become a patron, you can find out the answer to this very interesting <laughs> question. Uh, <laughs> or, or, yes, or you can buy the book. That's the other way to get that answer. <laughs> Yeah, do both. Have you ever had a character surprise you with their appearance or identity after you started writing? Um, I I have a vague idea, but uh, <clears throat> as you may have seen, I do draw my characters as well. Uh, and it was mm-hmm. only after drawing Halt that I realized uh that she's fat. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was that was not a plan. Uh, I based her build off of strong women competitors, the the competition. Oh. Yeah, uh, and that and because you know she she actively does a lot of strength training, so that's what I based her build on. Uh, so she's got a lot of functional muscle, but I I love her belly. <laughs> Every time I draw it, I'm just like, this is my favorite part of this character. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, a brief answer for this here in the non-spoiler section, because there's a very spoilery thing we're going <laughs> to dig down in. Um, what is your approach to incorporating characters with disabilities in your work? Uh, well, similar to including uh, non-white characters, uh, I've I made a lot of mistakes when I was first writing characters with disabilities. Uh, those stories were not published, thankfully. <laughs> Um, I did, Mm. I did have mistakes of, like, doing the magic cure-all and all that, and I know now that's very problematic and not the way to go with Mm -hmm. it. So rather than trying to fix, quote-unquote, I'm obviously you can't see me doing air quotes for that, um, Mm -hmm. I instead include the type of, the type of, uh, 
sorry, I'm trying to, yeah, accommodations or or tools, tools that we have in the real Mm -hmm. world, such as sign language. Right. Okay. Uh, Do you tend to write disabilities based on a specific set of references? Or do you tend to write cultures that hide the disabilities? I I try to vary it by culture. I try to think of like I try to think of the kind of guiding principles of cultures individually and how that would factor in to what they would think of uh, members of their culture with disabilities. Have you ever had a character surprise you with a disability after you started writing uh, them? <clears throat> Yes, actually. Um, Riyadi, uh, Roddy's soulmate. Uh, originally, I didn't realize he was uh, mute. He was just quiet because he, di- he was shy and didn't want to talk. And then he was kind of like, no, nah, I, I just actually can't. I was like, all right. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned a little bit earlier that with one of your characters... Um, they surprised you with their body type after you uh, kind of had already written them. Do you consider your character's body image when depicting them and their traumas? Um, <clears throat> not, well, to a degree. Because I get it. Uh, this isn't really a spoiler. <laughs> Because it happens sooner in the book than later, and it doesn't really give anything away that you couldn't guess. Uh, Because Holt has her entire speech about uh, scars and what they mean to her and how you get to define what Mm. things mean to you. Yeah. Uh, And and prior to that, uh, Callow only just then notices that all the other characters in the Null Dorm that have scars and have been trading like all cover up their scars they all wear mm-hmm. clothes with like long sleeves and that mm-hmm. just covers everything even though that's not uh that's not culturally how the helvethy dress mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh and later in the book it does explain it does say how Callow's kind of self-conscious about his scars when he's not around uh other null assassins because the other assassins, obviously, they already know they're there. They know what they mean. Uh, so I do, I do consider that uh, how their body image is, if it, how it relates to their trauma, if the trauma actually changed their body. Mm. Okay, that makes sense. Because you could, you could have body image issues that are completely unrelated to your trauma. Yeah. Right. But uh, yeah. So then, following up on that, do you? kind of in tandem, do you consider your character's physical description when writing how other characters treat them? I do. I mean, fortunately, in this story, the two point-of-view characters are both very nice people. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like, I I weave little things in, like, for Roy's point of view, he's pretty much Roy a lot. Mm-hmm. But when it's Callow's point of view, for the longest time, it's Roriora. It's not Roy. It's Roriora, just for a really long time. Even as <laughs> Roy calls himself Roy, even as other characters are calling him Roy, Callow still thinks of him as Roriora. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the way ca- I've I've said it before, 
uh, it becomes more of a running joke in later books. Uh, Callow is not observant. <laughs> Callow's kind of a sp- Callow's a bit like me. <laughs> I I appreciate like the- that that's canon though, and that it's <laughs> yeah. not just a thing that happened. Callow's a reliable narrator. He's just not good at details. Okay. Uh-huh. Like you wouldn't know, you wouldn't know from Callow. Dret has freckles and blonde hair because that's, <laughs> <laughs> and that's like yeah. that's not you. That's a thing that's usual for coastal Helvethy, but not uh, inland Helvethy. <laughs> Can I just say, I would like, I I have no clue if you would ever want to write this. I would love to read just like a cult, a a tourist's guide to your culture <laughs> i actually uh, like that would be very interesting no like on my website i actually do have little things about the different cultures i mean it's still a work in the progress but the helvithia are up there i just i well i'm okay. just picturing like specifically you, do you know what kind of language i mean like like if you were going to be uh like an actual tourist book. <laughs> yes <laughs> like an yes actual like book. like a tourist book parody <laughs> would be very very funny <laughs> That actually mm-hmm. sounds great. <laughs> I have I have flirted in my own head with the idea of like a, a lore book style. Oh thing. yes, please. <laughs> but like a tourist guide lore book style. That's <laughs> that would <laughs> maybe. be great. That'd You've be given awesome. me the idea at least. <laughs> I would read it and buy it. Just please, <laughs> if if it ever exists, please let us know. Yeah, definitely let us know. <laughs> yeah, I'll, if you I'll, do that. I'll let you know. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh next is kind of a this one we might need to revisit this for spoilers, but Okay. Uh what parts of your own identities do you see kind of making their way into the books? <laughs> uh, more th- more than you intend. Uh, I did not actually think about how similar Callow and I are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I didn't originally intend for him to become a writer, but then I was like, wait, this just makes sense. Like, of course he <laughs> is. Of course he would be a writer. Of, of course He's going we to- are. Of course we are a writer. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to, like, the fact that once he, uh, I don't consider it a spoiler that this book has a happy ending because that's just how I roll. Uh, when he gets to Porsche Gallia and he's going to writer cafes, like, of course he'd start writing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just mm-hmm. a natural progression of like a reader who's fascinated. But uh, Callow doesn't, Callow doesn't write the same way I write. Callow writes fluffy romances. <laughs> All right. <laughs> because he just likes writing people having a cute time. He's his own, mm-hmm. he's his own independent character. He he is. Um, <laughs> he doesn't need a writer. <laughs> I I have thought about maybe trying to write his books, but at the same time, oh I'm like, man, <laughs> they they'd really just be novellas. They'd be short. Yeah. Um, but Roy Ora is uh, Roy is interesting because one he was named for me. <laughs> okay. Oh, I, that makes I, sense. I was telling you guys about this before the start of the interview, but uh. Originally, there was only supposed to be one book, and it was the second book. And when I made Roy, he was there to uh, assist with expositing in an interesting Ah. way. (laughs) Uh, The second book actually gets a lot more into magical theory, if you were more interested in how the magic works. (laughs) 
in all their very interested in that yeah one of the characters uh she's not a mage but she's fascinated by magic so she studies it so uh she ends up bringing more lore uh when it comes to magic but um so sometimes when I have characters that I don't think are going to be a big part of the story and I just need a throwaway name, I take the syllables of my name and I rearrange them and maybe add a little flair and I smash them together. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's great because Roy is your author avatar. <laughs> that's, that's really fun. Uh, yeah, and I also realized later that he has ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> like me. Uh, he also has dyslexia. Okay. I don't have dyslexia, but Roy does. Uh, which is why he's so bad at book learning. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he just, he can't focus. I get yeah. it. I understand. Um, his love of the theater, I share. <laughs> mm-hmm. Him just waxing poetic about the theater. People make fun of him more for that later. <laughs> In later books. So, so his cousin Athen actually, uh, I accidentally made Athen like his perfect foil, <laughs> almost. <laughs> oh my and gosh. Someone, and uh, someone else pointed out that they were the two, that the two of them are the two extremes of my personality. <laughs> oh, and uh, I was not okay for a minute. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> like, oh no! I've split myself in two. Like when when I realized they were right, <laughs> I think I straight up dissociated for a minute. <laughs> but uh, then I accepted it and I moved on. So so, <laughs> what you need at some point is hear me out. <laughs> you know that you know the the way that like um, Haku says hello. Uh, you know the way that like. Uh, circle pie chart or not pie chart. Uh, what are the graphs that overlap? Venn diagrams. Venn diagrams have basically become their own meme at this point. <laughs> You're not wrong. You just need, <laughs> you just need at some point to have a Venn diagram of like Roy on one side, Athen on the other side, and you're the middle, <laughs> and just just label traits, just label, <laughs> and like and figure out the split. <laughs> Like, who is where? Athen actually um, shares my sexuality. We're both cupiosexual. Hmm. Yeah. There, there's an asexual character you might not expect is asexual. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll definitely ask more about that in the spoiler zone. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> uh trying to find the next thing um i have one highlighted uh, oh, okay do you write in trauma for background characters without planning to really have it impact the story and if you do does it ever leak into the story um there are i mean obviously the other members of Callow's dorm all go through the same mm-hmm. and similar trauma to him. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And I plan to explore those other characters in later books. Because as I've said, Callow's not observant. <laughs> he didn't oh. notice how it was affecting them. 
not in a bad yeah. way, just in a, you know, he was kind of dealing with his own stuff, mm-hmm. too. Uh, yeah, he's a little more uh, <laughs> oriented on I his mean, own issues <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be, like, a mix of someone's, like, kind of natural personality and their environment. But I am not surprised that his environment did not equip him to <laughs> notice what's going on with other people. Mm-hmm. That yeah doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> I kind of I hint at it, but uh, Grio, Holt, and Teller are all rich kids, and they actually all knew each other before coming to the Institute. Mm-hmm. And there are okay. there are multiple times where they kind of have a silent agreement not to tell Callow things. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, as, as a nice as a nice thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like no, this um, is fine. And then I think uh, maybe this will be the last uh, thing in the spoiler free zone. Have you ever had to stop? writing a book or a character because the trauma of the trauma they were going through either it was too much or you didn't know how to write it um i think there's a lot of books i've put on hold until i've figured things out more mm. but okay. i've never there's one the one uh <clears throat> there is one story that i'm never gonna come back to because uh it's one I wrote when I was in a bad place, and it's just, uh-huh. like, way too dark, and I'm not going to revisit it ever. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, no. I've just put, I've just kind of put, I've not stopped writing them entirely so much as put them on hold until I've got a mm-hmm. better, more mature grasp of what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to write and what I'm trying to say with what I'm writing. For any of the ones you've then come back to, what was the longest gap between when you kind of put it on hold and when you revisited it? I wish I had an answer for that. <laughs> um, okay. I, I don't... I think I have over a hundred whips. Oh, oh. Yeah. It's a little... Sometimes I literally just... Oh, sorry. I hit my microphone. Um <laughs> I just have an idea and I'll just write some notes and I'm like, all right, when I'm ready, I'll go write this story. And I just write the notes so I don't forget the story idea. Or I'll just like write an intro or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Whip is a work in progress. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So does that mean that Do like putting things on hold? through them? Yes, uh, okay. whenever I start having, like, writer's block or something, I'll kind of, like, peruse my uh, past unfinished works to see if there's anything that I want to pick up again. Okay. Cool. Well, you're doing better than me with my art. <laughs> <laughs> That's only kind like, of a joke. <laughs> I understand I the art side, books. too. <laughs> my problem is I can never leave anything unfinished. Oh. <laughs> A hundred is so many. I just, I'm sitting here thinking <laughs> I know. I, I've, let me put, I've been writing since kindergarten. <laughs> My grandmother okay, saved. I made a picture book about a surprise party. <laughs> mm-hmm. And my grandmother, and I stapled it together. <laughs> and my, my grandmother just, um, saved it. <laughs> I hope that's 
framed someday. <laughs> My immediate touchstone for like how many books that would be if you were actually able to like publish all of them is that okay, Animorphs is like sixty two books. <laughs> And it's more than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is fair. Because, yeah. How many earlier... books are there? <laughs> like 30, I think. I don't remember. I didn't read Goosebumps. The, I read the, like series. two of them. I read Sideways School instead of Goosebumps. <laughs> Sideways School was good. I read a couple of Goosebumps, but I stopped because I thought that the story was going to continue in the next book. And I got upset that it didn't because I had never encountered... <laughs> books that were like that before. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know what to do with yeah. a cliffhanger that doesn't get resolved. Yeah, no, that's. I think that's why I didn't get into more than a couple goosebumps, because I was just like, no, I, I want to know how it actually ends. Yeah. I was like, this is really interesting. What are they going to do next? What do you mean they're not going to do anything next? Um. So, uh, I think... The, leaving on the idea that Goosebumps is not good at aftercare <laughs> is perhaps the best way to then transition. Leave, leave this zone. Okay. Um. So don't stop your recording this time. Okay. Uh, we're going to write down the timestamp of when we switch over because usually we like to have them all the same recording except my computer did things. Uh, so. It's like 1610. Okay. Yeah. Just gonna notate for me. I don't know if you've been interviewed about your books before. Are there any questions that you really would like to get asked because you know you have a thing you want to talk about? Yes. I have not been interviewed for my books before. Um, and honestly, I just like talking about literally anything so i don't have any particular questions in mind wonderful okay i have some soulmate questions <laughs> okay okay <laughs> yeah so we'll probably just like oh talk uh, a whole bunch about the book once we're in the spoiler zone <laughs> yeah. okay um that'll be a little easier to do because <laughs> we we covered a whole bunch of concepts but like yeah so uh Getting into our outro wrap-up, what is your favorite non-traumatic thing in any of your books? Um, honestly, I think my favorite part of All or None is uh, Roy and Callow stargazing. Ooh. <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was a great seed to show both like how far they'd come and where they were kind of headed in their relationship and like mm -hmm. i love i always love how just emotionally available callow is <laughs> that, that's mm -hmm. the term uh me and my writing group have decided for for how callow <laughs> is is that he's just he's emo he's there he's ready he's not yeah. embarrassed or ashamed of his emotions he's just he's got them he'll tell you about them <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's great because yeah. all of his his partners need him to be the communicator. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say he's, I mean, that is very helpful for <laughs> the people that he's in relationships with. His, his, part, his partners are not good communicators. No. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. 
um, but also the um the letters. Oh, okay. I got mad because they made me cry when I was writing them. <laughs> oh, I was like, this happened like five chapters ago, or I should say five parts ago. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm crying about this again. <laughs> um, all right, so as we kind of uh, pull this to a close. Do you have a favorite book written by someone else? And if so, what makes it your favorite? It's not so much a book as a as a series. I'd say the The Protector of the Small series by Tamora Pierce. Mm-hmm. And cool. I loved it because I just really, really related to Kel and like how she <laughs> sees the world and how she handles uh how she handles everything. And then I later learned that Kel is Arrow Ace. <laughs> Uh-huh. Like she was intentionally written that way, and I was like, "Oh, this yeah. makes so much sense." <laughs> of course, I relate to her. <laughs> uh, and Tamora Pierce yep. just greatly regrets that she never put that on page because she didn't. Th- she didn't know the thing about representation. I think we mentioned earlier. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that if uh-huh. it's not on page, people just don't really want to. A lot of people just don't want to acknowledge it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I- a thing that's, that's that would be wise because uh, uh, it's it's an arrow ace character <coughs> and mm-hmm. she has all this fun these fun adventures uh and she gets to have all these great friendships and just all of it uh, a thing that i learned while looking up author pronouns for the everything that is the podcast <laughs> it's it's actually tamara pierce oh, tamara I forgot. Per- like camera. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen well, that I, before I and mean, I just completely forget every time. <laughs> it, it is in my head because I'm like, must pronounce everyone's name correctly. <laughs> also pronouns. Remember all the things. <laughs> you can't forget but yeah, ever. Uh, for, for anyone else who uh, also read her books and never heard her say her name. Yeah, yeah it's Tamara. <laughs> but Yep. Apparently, according yeah. to a hospital typo, right? I think is what yes. you said before. Yeah. Yeah. Some someone had a typo, but yep, yep. Uh, but yeah, um, that that was my favorite quartet too. Like I read, I read her stuff over and over. So um, interesting. Kind of on loop for most of high school. I read Alana, then I read Kel, and went. Well, now that I've read Kel, I don't care about Alana anymore. <laughs> and then I discovered her circle quartets and was like, I don't need to read Kel anymore. <laughs> like, I started, these are the characters that I want. I started with the wild time. magic quartet and then I went back. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, you gotcha. can really see how she improved from Alana to yeah. her yeah i've read all i've read most of the older turtle books and i own the new ones i just haven't read them yet (laughs) i have read all of the turtle universe and uh i am keeping up with numer's story which i'm very excited for um it's it's going well uh one thing i do appreciate is that yeah, like she she's an author where it seems like she's consistently working to get better, mm-hmm. but without retconning other stuff that she already messed yeah. up. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, like I know there's some things that people have talked about in the Alana series that are mm-hmm. questionable at best. And, she, but and like, she's actually said, if I was going to rewrite better. it, I wouldn't have written it that way. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Like she's she's definitely not pretending she didn't, but she's also like acknowledging really it was problematic. Yeah, and yeah. and growing and doing better. Um, just uh-huh. great. <laughs> it's, it's really good. Uh, do you have any queer authors and or authors of color whose work you'd like to shout out? Um, oh, I forgot the name of the author. <laughs> Uh, a, a queer <laughs> book that I read uh, a bit ago that I have the sequel. I haven't finished the sequel yet. Uh, a Fire in the Star in Stars by Audrey Colthurst. Uh, okay. It's a YA book. Uh, it has a woman-woman couple. Uh, it's just really great. I really should read the sequel because I was very much looking forward to it. <laughs> Uh, but that was eventually that that was uh that was that yeah just that <laughs> I haven't okay. been reading as cool. much recently with all that's going on yeah that's fair so <laughs> uh and finally uh where can we find you if anyone wants to come check out your works in general uh well I'm pretty active on my Twitter account handles uh Aurora underscore T underscore books. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm not really active there. I mostly just use it to collect all my art. Which uh, we are going to make sure we're following <laughs> after this because I want to see this art. Yeah, I want uh, to know what they all look like. <laughs> and Instagram is just all lowercase, all one word, Aurora Lee Thornton. I actually, I use my middle name because when I first was going to self-publish my first book, I saw there was another Aurora Thornton that was already an author that was already published. So I was like, I'll just throw my middle name up so people aren't confused. Makes sense. Uh, And then I'm on Facebook. My page is Aurora Lee Thornton Books. And I have a website, which is www.auroraleethorntonbooks.com. And yeah, I I think that's, that's about it. Okay. I'm on all the social medias. I'm most active on Twitter. Excellent. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) So are we. We are also most active on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, and then our handles for anyone where this is the first episode they're checking out. We are books that burn pretty much everywhere. So, for Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and also our website is booksthatburn.com. All you can find the written book reviews at reviews.booksthatburn.com. And then our transcripts have their own site so that if all you want is transcripts, you just have one place to go. And that is transcriptsthatburn.com. We were very excited about getting uh, that domain. And a quick Uh, note that on Facebook, we have both a page where we post and also a Facebook group where you can come join us and just talk about books. And it doesn't even have to be books on our podcast. Yes, Uh, please come talk about what you're reading. Come tell us what you're reading and and rant about things in the books and, uh, you know, gush about them and and share your book experiences with us. And ask for recommendations. So that's facebook.com slash groups slash books that burn. So thank you so much for joining us, Aurora. Thank you so much for having me. And you can find our regular episodes fortnightly, and our interviews are whenever we mutually agree with the author that we're going (laughs) to release them. (laughs) Because we are consistent. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
Thank you very much. Bye. (laughs)